0: Welcome to Minute 18 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me again today is Alan Sanders of The Wilder Ride. Welcome back, Alan.
1: Well, thank you so much, buddy. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. I love doing these kinds of things, and especially with a movie like this, it's... it's a treat to be on, and, and I don't have to worry about editing. I just have to sit here and talk to you. There you go. <laughs> what do you mean? You didn't know I'm sending you to edit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, i know, I, No, no. <laughs> you know, I like, I love the process of audio editing, crafting the show, but it's painstaking, and it takes time, because if you like what you're doing, you want to do a good job. And I don't think people who have never done this understand how much work goes after you've recorded into getting your episode ready. Yes, I completely understand that. I mean I enjoy I enjoy doing it. They don't care. (laughs) But I care. So Right. My my rule of thumb, by the way, I don't know what yours is, but it's still for me, if the real recording, like the real time, if it's an hour long recording, I can almost always say it's going to take three times as much to edit, put show notes, develop the graphic, upload it, do the social media. So it's always like if it's an hour show, I've got three more hours of work after recording.
0: It's understandable. Sound, sounds about right for what I've, I've been doing up until now. Yeah. So, minute 18 begins with Neil's, Neil's credit card being placed in the knuckle buster and ends with Neil looking around the room with an astonishing look on his face. <laughs> so, yesterday we, we saw that Neil handed over his, his Diners Club credit card and it was placed in the knuckle buster. So, at this point, we, we get a shot of Dell looking over and always trying to find a discount somewhere. He goes, ah, Gus, do you still honor those discount credit cards for the rooms? And (laughs) Gus's response is, yeah, well, I'll have to charge you for a double, but with the discount, it'll come out even. Now, I have no idea what that really means because obviously we know that he, he will say in a few minutes that he only has one room available. So, what's the
1: idea is he
0: what's he charging him okay
1: for? so i thought and that's what i thought the joke was when they walk in the room the double would mean a double bed where you would have two two beds in the room versus a single right so i think that he was saying i'm going to charge you for a double room but it was but with the discount it comes out the same price as a single
0: so he was planning on giving him a room with a single bed which he didn't have
1: I guess it, 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 that's all I can think of because right now you're getting you're getting this switcheroo of the cards. By the way, which you, if you're not paying attention, when you look, you know it's Neil's card in the machine at first from the last minute, and then Dell's reaching into his pocket and he hands his card, which is another it looks like Diners Club card, over to Gus, and they take Neil's card out and replaces it with Dell's.
0: And he doesn't even he doesn't even click over Neil's card.
1: No. He, he never took anything, never captured a single bit of information from, from
0: – Nothing at all. So, I mean, a double occupancy would mean that it's two people sharing a room. But you know, are we talking again about a double bed? Are we talking about double occupancy?
1: Oh, I, you know, you're right. Maybe there is an extra fee if it's supposed to be two people in a room versus one. I just always assume – and maybe that's just how it used to be because when I was this age in the late mid to late 80s, I wasn't exactly checking out hotel rooms. So I don't know if there was an extra cost for two people versus one. I just assumed it was a single bed versus a double bed. Like if you needed to have a double, but maybe you're right. Maybe there is an upcharge for two people in a room versus one.
0: Right. That definitely, it sounds like that's what it is.
1: Hey, you know what? This is a perfect chance for call to action to your listeners. Leave a message in Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Let us know wherever you are. What does that mean in the 80s if you're getting charged for a double but the discount still keeps you the same price. (laughs) Yep.
0: We'd love to hear the answer to that one. (laughs)
1: Because, you know, the minute you said double occupancy, I was like, did they used to charge per person? Because I can't imagine that. Could you, I mean, when my mom and dad, we were traveling when we were younger, if we had to stop somewhere to get a hotel room, they would try to get like a room with connecting doors so that we would be on one side as the boys and my mom and dad could have the other room. But I never even thought to ask, well, do they charge by person? I don't think they did. That was the
0: thing. I always believed that when you're going into a a motel or a hotel, whatever it is, you know, especially when you're not dealing with a place that gives food. So what Mm -hmm. do they care? How many people are staying in the room?
1: Right. Unless unless the dives, the small places like this used to do that to prevent you from having a group of like 15 people that are going to go see a concert all try to stay in one hotel room and you don't want the place trashed and taken advantage of. Right don't know it's weird i just assumed it was a double bed and that's where the joke will come that we don't see a double bed later but who knows maybe maybe i saw a joke in there because of how we do things today when we get hotel rooms but i can honestly tell you when my wife and i stay places they're just like you know what size room do you want do you want like a single bed do you want double beds what you know what do you want and it's a flat rate however many people we're stuffing in there right that's
0: very true. So I went and did a little bit of research as to what is a motel. Like where where did the idea of a motel come from? No, you have any idea? You have any idea when the when the first motel was was built or was See,
1: with the word Mo, I almost wonder if it had to be when the automobile started to pop up and people needed places to stop.
0: Right. Okay, well the idea of Mo is that it was it was known as a motor hotel. Mm-hmm. That, as you said, it's a place where you can stop along the way. So the first motel was the Milestone Motel of San Luis Obispo in California, which is now known as the Motor Inn of San Luis Obispo. And it was built in 1925. Wow. So the term refers to the type of hotel that is consisting of a single building of connected rooms where doors faced a parking lot. And in some circumstances, a common area or a series of small cabins with common parking. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and it goes back was... to what you were talking about yesterday. You know that I mean yeah. I remember when when we would go on trips. Also, we would stop off in motels, and you know you park the car right in front of the the door of the motel. You have the the lobby where the you know where the office is. You know where where you're paying for it, and then you know you go and stop right in front of the door. <laughs> You know, that's right. pretty much the way it is. So basically, the motels are usually constructed in, in either an in I, L, or U shape. A motel is usually made up of guest rooms, a small manager's office, reception, and sometimes they have either a small diner and, and or a swimming pool, which obviously most of right. us know about that also, that, you know, you, you stopped off in the motel and you got this swimming pool, which... No one really cleans.
1: Uh, <laughs> right. It was mo- a feature when they first built it, and then it never got touched since. <laughs> correct.
0: And motels were were known for having lots of colorful neon signs to try and get people to, to show up. It, especially, it became very popular on Route 66.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and then the whole idea of lining up whether you had a vacancy or not, and you would advertise if you had vacancy to get people to say hey, we got rooms available, or the no vacancy if all the rooms were right. booked. Correct. Which apparently in Wichita, everything has no
0: vacancy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, because of the storm everywhere else.
0: <laughs> because of the, the storm in Chicago world
1: landed in Wichita.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so at this point, Dell then says, "Well, there you go. That's pretty good. We're saving money already." We're a pretty good team. So, again, Dell is trying to find the silver lining in every single thing that's happening. And Neil just doesn't really care. (laughs) Right. He gives him this look that, nah, I don't know. (laughs) And we basically then see Gus take the two different credit cards. Now, did you notice what's written on the credit card that Dell has?
1: No, it's the, it, it's not a diner's club. No, it's not. It
0: looks exactly like a diner's club. It's a fake one called Overnighter's Discount Club.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, just go stay overnight. Just That's one right. stop only.
0: So it's pretty funny that this is the card that he has now. I mean, Dell works for a company. You would assume that his company is going to be footing the bill. On everywhere that he stays so mm-hmm. he shouldn't really be that worried about about having to pay for it you can get reimbursed for everything that's what i would assume so it
1: now no, do, no. You notice, do you notice i can't believe i didn't notice this you know steve martin handed over his diners club and then there's this little switcheroo when dell wants to put his little overnighter's discount club But then the insert shot of somebody picking up the overnight discount club is obviously now Neil. He's not paying attention. He's picking up the wrong credit card. Correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it says Dell O. Griffith. Uh And the card is valid from February 87 to February 88. So they don't give you that much use of this this card. You only get one year's use at a time.
1: It's an annual card. You have to sign up every year.
0: <laughs> Apparently, well, it's a good thing that it's November, so you know they don't really have to worry about it. He's got three months to worry about having to get it renewed. Yep. <laughs> and the, the 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 music here is great. They have this this musical cue as when 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 Gus is talking to them, and you, you just like hear the because he basically. Dell starts talking about why they're there. You know, he goes, Well, we're on our way to Chicago from New York, and the storm brought us here. And Gus goes, Yeah, I know all about that. I must have half your flight booked in already. <laughs> and then he then he swipes the card and takes care of it. And then he goes, Well, I guess you're all fixed. So here you are, last room in the complex. And then there's like this musical tone that goes, Dumb.
1: <laughs> like, hey, what do you, we're going to have to share a room? <laughs>
0: Exactly, and Neil begins to like start you mean share
1: <laughs> Well what I like is even for a second, the smile on Dell's face falters for just a moment. just you get just a couple of frames of that smile sort of like starts to fall just a little bit when he's, wait yeah. I really think he thought I'm going to come in here, I've got my room, I'm going to get my friend room, I'm going to look like the hero. I think even he was taken a little off guard, like we're going to have to share a room. Yeah. He wasn't expecting it. Not at all. I mean, the script, we'll, we'll
0: get to that in a little while. The script goes into a little more detail on that. Also, uh, there's a few things that, that that are stated at that point. And I mean, Dell is shocked. You can see it on his face. And then the the shot ends and we get a new shot of a door opening in a motel room. And we see that they're in room 114. Now to answer your question from earlier this week, Alan, you were wondering if they actually can park right outside, and you see that they're in a hallway. So right, right across the hallway, there's room one eleven.
1: And I'm so, going to argue that that's actually room eleven. It's two ones side by side. They're in room fourteen. Oh, ah. It okay. may be one fourteen, but it looks like 14. wow. I didn't even think about. Maybe right. You're right. No, you, you could be right. I can't tell. It just looks like they're they're joined together, like. The block numbers you put on your, um, or the reflective letters you put on your um, mailbox, yeah. So it, I, I, let's put this way: it could be one fourteen. I'm not going to argue this point. I just thought it was fourteen and eleven, and that there's these ref- <laughs> like the reflective kind of letters that you buy at the hardware store to put on your mailbox for your for your 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 street number. Right.
0: All right. Well, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on that one. I think it is a one fourteen and one eleven. But but I we'll can go see Either what you way. what you see. But it doesn't make a difference.
1: Either way, it's an interior hallway. It looks yes. like a secure now hotel versus your typical motel. Well,
0: I I think I recall, you know, in, in the many motels that, that that I stayed in as a kid during all our family trips, I believe that there are some that have an interior hallway there. So it is possible.
1: It might be, I can tell you this. One of the things that um being involved in the city in which I live as it's <clears throat> grown up and you know, you get involved with what's what kind of ordinances are being allowed for building permits and almost everything about 20 years ago started shifting over from, we're no longer going to allow a motel to be built for security reasons. We want all rooms to face and you have to come through a lobby go to secure you have to come in and out through a main door and then therefore everything is much more secure so that's you know most i guess even motels today would probably be built unless they were older on the idea of having kind of a a more secure entry and exit versus the typical seedy motel where you just drive around to the back room that you want so nobody can see where you're parked when you're having your fling or whatever
0: yeah that's true so they they open the the door to this to this motel room, pitch black. Neil is helping Dell with his trunk, so once again we we still see that as much as Neil is not happy that he's there, he still is being helpful to Dell with carrying this very heavy trunk, which we still don't know what's inside of the trunk. Maybe later this week we'll find out what's in the trunk what's in the trunk. <laughs> And uh, then and this
1: is what I was referring to with the, the double versus single, because you see Steve Martin, first of all, his his reaction doesn't match the camera move because the camera is going to do a real slow sweeping look, almost like point of view. Yes. His view is like he he looks and realizes it, like he's shocked at looking in the room. Then we've got a real slow sweep. But I mean, it definitely goes over the bed and comes back to it.
0: Yeah yeah so I mean he he looks around the room and he's completely astonished you, we see we see the double bed, we see curtains, and we see that the the, the curtains and the bedspread actually match right There's a night table that has some sort of timer on it, which we'll we'll get to that later in this week. We'll figure out what that is. There's a small table with an ashtray, there are two chairs by that table, and he basically looks around the room with his eyes. The via the camera, like you said, we we get the shot what supposedly is the way that he's looking out at everything from the from the viewpoint of the camera. But but you're right, it doesn't really match the as quickly as his face is turning.
1: Yeah, and it's not a it's not a nit. I just you notice it when you're slowing it down that yeah. he seems to have he seems to get fixated on the bed in the right. shot where where the camera's on his face. Then you got that slow move across the room, and then it zoom. The camera zips back to the bed, right. and then it's back over to him.
0: Right, because he's just completely shocked that this is the bed that they need to. Now, did you notice that there there was no music once they come into the room? Yeah. There's no background music whatsoever until yeah, adds, until we I go back to his eyes.
1: It's almost adds to the shock of what they're what they're dealing with when they realize it's a. I know it's a double bed, but basically it's just one bed in the room. Yeah,
0: that's true. And I mean, we get like a dizzying sensation from the way that it sweeps around the room.
1: So yeah, the second one is weirder because it's almost like a fisheye lens because it it comes right around into Dell's face, and it kind of gives that smirk. So to me, it's one of the weirder camera shots in the in, in this week's worth of minutes because the camera is trying to get the entire room in focus. And then it's obviously right up against the actor's face when it does the full sweep. Yeah. So I almost wonder if it's a bit of a fisheye lens, just kind of not enough to make a huge distortion. Not like you're looking specifically through like the keyhole or, a, you know, a peephole of a window of a, of a door or, you know, the, the little spy hole, but just enough that it, even John Candy's face just feels a little goofy looking that yeah. tight. Yeah.
0: And his smile is a funny smile too. It's
1: like, mm-hmm. um, yeah,
0: this is what we're gonna have to deal with, <laughs> and then uh Neil then looks around the room once again, really completely astonished okay. that this is what he's in
1: the, the pan though that just before it goes to and landing on Dell's face, if you look at Steve Martin, he closes his eyes, it looks like he it's like he's not really looking, <laughs> just like. Can't believe what he's about to he can't it's like he can't help he doesn't want to look at the room again. It, it's, it's so funny his expression of like, are you kidding me?
0: Yeah, I can't <laughs> believe this is where I am.
1: <laughs> and what I love is again, if you're a fan of the movie, these are little tiny inconveniences so far, but I love how John Hughes purposely they're so subtle and innocuous, it's little things like at the very beginning. Not being able to get out of your meeting in time. We all can relate to that. Stuffed elevator. Oh, left my gloves. I mean, little tiny things. C- Got to get a cab. Somebody beats you to it. You trip. Then someone steals your cab. It, like it, It's the slow incremental. Every one of these gets just a little worse and then a little worse. <laughs> just And we're not prepared for how far this movie is going to go until no. you make it to the. <laughs> Completely.
0: There's no question about that.
1: I mean think about that from a writing perspective, being able to imagine not only the journey, but to build what it seems like really like we could all relate to just about everything up to this point. We've probably had to share a ride, we probably have you know missed a cab, missed a flight. We've all recognized like all the stuff up to this point. Fairly innocuous. It's annoying, but we've probably all had similar stories. <laughs> neil's neil's three-day journey into the into darkness before resurrecting (laughs) it's just gonna be a nightmare
0: completely and that that's why this movie is so much fun because especially
1: the first time you see it and then
0: even afterwards you 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 expect certain things but you still can notice so many
1: things that are going on you know you see just, just the facial expressions it really is a statement of, well, it can't possibly get worse. And then you find a way it does actually get worse. And every yes. time you go, okay, well, this is as bad as it's going to get. No, no, it will still get worse.
0: It's going to keep getting worse. <laughs> and that's, I've always that's the fun of it.
1: I've always been a fan of that phrase. Bill Cosby in his routine used to always say, when I grew up, my, I learned never challenge worse. Never say, well, it can't get worse because he goes, that's when worse just jumps up and <laughs> lands on your head.
0: Very, very but true. Any,
1: anytime I'm in a group and if things are not going well, if somebody goes, well, it can't get I'm like, don't say it. Do not challenge worse because the minute you challenge him, he'll go challenge <laughs> seven.
0: Oh, that's great. Great. I love that. I've tried to remember that. Actually, now I have it recorded on a podcast. So, you know, there you go. I just have to remember where it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Alan, you have anything else for this minute? No, I just think, again, it, we don't have so much dialogue, as you know, from the script. There, there's going to be a lot more later. But the 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 facial acting and the body acting of Steve Martin, I, I mean, right now, John Candy's doing more of the goofy faces, the typical. But as far as, like, conveying so much exasperation and pain and... <laughs> Steve Martin is just doing a great job.
0: Yeah. All right. So in the script, so there are some differences here. Gus has a lot more dialogue. Okay. First of all, he starts complaining to to Dell about the stewardesses. He says, uh, he starts talking about the the weight of the stewardesses, you know, ca- causing a lot of problems. I'm not even going to read it because it's just, I don't know. Just, I'm glad they cut that part out. And then Gus says, you know, Dell, I'd rather shoot arrows out of my ass than disappoint you or, your friend or this friend of yours, but I'm book solid. And then he goes, I got three of those fat girls sharing a single as it is. One twin and two cots, and them cots are really built for youngsters. And then Doug goes, ah, nothing. And he goes, if old Herbert Hoover came back from the dead and needed a room for the night, I couldn't help him. Sorry. Wow. And then Dell looks over to, to Neil and says, well, if you don't mind a little snoring, you can bunk with me. A little bit of snoring.
1: <laughs> wow. So that's how it was supposed to go. That's how we found out that there's only one room.
0: Yes. And then Neil says, no, I couldn't. And they, they begin uh, an argument as to, you know, whether they should share a room or not. And Neil basically tells him, no, I'll be fine without it. I'll sleep in a chair. And then Dell goes, Don't worry, I'm straight if that's a worry, which we'll we'll get to a little bit later on, but again.
1: I actually think it's funnier not to have the setup like that worrying about his whether or not he's straight or not. I think yes. it's funnier to not have any of that conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, it's better that it's awkward anyway when they're walking in, and then it just makes. Everything that's going to happen beyond, which it won't be in my my minutes, but everything that happens beyond, it just gets funnier and funnier. Yes,
0: completely. And, and then Gus at one point tells Neil, so uh, he tells him that he should sign in the register as Mr. and Mrs. Whatever so that he doesn't have any problems bookkeeping, with bookkeeping later on because he's charging him for a double room.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Funny lines when we're talking about them, but I can also understand why they slow the movie down. You can't have so much of that. And so right. I'm glad they kind of cut some of that.
0: Right. And then Gus also tells him why he has that room empty. He says, we had an old geezer die in his sleep last night in your room. Had to bring in a new mattress in from my brother's place in the Salinas. <laughs> and Wait, Del that goes, would have
1: been a funny line.
0: <laughs> and then Del says to him, gee, I hope it wasn't anyone I knew. So then Gus goes, Fritz Oberman, And then Del smacks the counter and goes, oh, damn. <laughs> and then Neil asks Del to ask him, ask him if it's contagious. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, how did he go, okay. Gus? And then Gus says, he just blew up. It was one of those things, I guess, just blew up.
1: <laughs> okay, that would have been funny.
0: Yes. I, I think it would have been very funny to have that, but it, but it's still the great the way that, they did it.
1: That Dell knows him It's like, oh man, <laughs> and then Neil, all he cares about is what he died of—contagious.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's funny. <laughs> Now, the fact that they used the name of Fritz Obermann, I decided to look that up to see if that, it, maybe it's, maybe there's a reason for that name. So, I mean, I found the etymology of the name, which doesn't really make a difference. It, it's, uh, it, it's, it means upper. Obermann is, is someone who's an upper in Germany, which could be someone who's living in the upper part of the village or the upper story of, of a specific uh, apartment block or someone who's maybe the overseer in the arbitrator or something like that, which doesn't really make sense. But then I looked at the name itself and I found that there was a race car driver in Austria who won seven races between 1981 and 1984, whose name was Fritz Obermann. <laughs> so I don't know, John Hughes somehow just came up with that name, but, but you're right. It's great that Dell actually knows who he is.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. It, it does lend credence to the fact that there, that Dell really has never met a stranger. He yeah. just doesn't know your name yet, he, but he's never – it's like he knows everybody. Correct.
0: Right. And that's pretty much all the differences that we have here in uh, the script for, for this pre- this particular episode. So oh, cool. there's one, one more thing I wanted to, to, to test your knowledge of. So right. how many movies can you think of that actually take place in Kansas?
1: Uh, besides Wizard of Oz, which makes a perfect reference to we're not in Kansas anymore. Correct. Uh, I honestly have never thought about it. I mean, obviously this one has a stop in Kansas. Yes. I don't know how many movies uh pass through Kansas, but I'm sure there's there's got to be some. So, I i right, I'll, t- okay. I'll I'll I found take a back
0: really really long list. I'm not going to go through all the movies, but so you have Looper takes place in Kansas, uh, Capote and In Cold Blood, that that whole story took place in Kansas. Wider.
1: Both good. Books. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, he started uh, off in Kansas before going out to. uh That's right, uh, Tombstone, Arizona. He
0: yeah. was he was the sheriff in, in Wichita.
1: Yeah, got himself in a little bit of trouble. Yes, <laughs> and and actually left
0: before that's right. the court. <laughs> that's right, Unforgiven. Ooh, Dance,
1: great foot. Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves was set in Kansas. Yes, it was. For some reason, I thought it was like one of the Dakotas or something. No, but it's like possible. Wild.
0: Well, again, this is what I found. This is what I found on, on the internet. It could be incorrect. It's possible that there are scenes that take place in Kansas.
1: Ah, gotcha. Okay. Maybe he traveled Got through
0: it. Kansas to get there. I don't know. Uh, Paper Moon.
1: Oh wait, that's. Uh, I know that movie. That's the movie that uh, Madeline Kahn's in it, and the guy that would play uh, from Blazing Saddles, uh, the guy that played an uh, Lyle, the the racist guy. Um, got the role in Paper Moon because he showed up to audition and that's where Madeleine Kahn said, We'll run into each other again. Next thing you know, they were both in Bla- blazing saddles together.
0: Right. So that that's the one with the with, uh, Tatum O'Neill. Yes. So I, I'm trying to figure out who you're referring to as who's which actor
1: the guy who played the guy who played Lyle um the um, Well oh, you're we the one who should know his name. <laughs> right, I know I should know his I know should know his real name. Um, Burton Gilliam. Oh, okay. He played the Bellman. It's a small part, but he had such a hick accent. He was a firefighter. He just decided to go for this audition and when he was in there the director was like, "Can you just go and let me hear?" You? And he just listened the whole time to Burton just reading the script and he said, "You know what? I love your voice. I'm going to use you."
0: Cool. All right, um we also have Splendor in the Grass. Warren Beatty. Mm-hmm. A Picnic. Never saw that. With William Holden. William Holden. Yeah, I didn't like the movie very much. But uh, yeah. Red River with John Wayne and Montgomery yeah. Cliff. You know, the the city slickers, the whole uh, yeehaw scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Red River. And then a movie called Winchester 73, which is – I love the concept of the movie. It's a movie that follows the story of a rifle, meaning mm. it it when it keeps changing hands. So we just see – the people that the, the the small stories of the people who who have the rifle, and uh, I'm pretty sure that, that Jimmy Stewart is is one of the ones there. And the one movie that, or the one franchise that I always forget takes place in Kansas. Do you know where Smallville is? Yeah. So any
1: Superman movie, I guess so would be uh, his starting <laughs> location would have to be Smallville, Kansas. There you go. All right, you're just a font of useless knowledge. That's awesome. Yeah, I
0: <laughs> know. <laughs> and the internet is so helpful. As a kid, I was I was a font
1: of human of of useless knowledge, and I didn't have the internet. But now that I have the internet, internet wow. Right. <laughs> There's no. You know, stopping. I'm gonna have to go to Kansas sometime. I didn't realize just I know it's the border of kind of in the Midwest, heading west. I just didn't realize how many westerns were shot in Kansas, or at least had scenes passing through Kansas. That's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. All right. So every day we have the segment known as Off the Beaten Track. So either myself or my guests will tell a little story about some adventure or misadventure that we might have had at some point over our lives. So, Alan, you have another story to tell us for today's
1: Off the Beaten Track? I tell you one, The last time uh, we were at, in St. Augustine, Florida, which is one of the oldest cities in Florida, it was actually a city where – supposedly that you were going to find the fountain of youth and Ponce de Leon was looking for it. And uh, we were there with my youngest daughter on a gymnastics trip with her friend who was also in her gymnastics team. And we just started hearing rumbles and thought we had plenty of time to get to our car. And we knew (laughs) we were going to be screwed with rain. We started getting raining on us. We were getting drenched and we were like, okay, we're not going to make it back to the car, obviously. and, And there's no place for us to go. And we remembered, oh, wait, on the way walking down the street, there's a winery. We're going to go do a winery tour <laughs> while it's raining. And so we literally went into the St. Augustine San Sebastian Winery, and we ended up having such a blast on the wine tour and wine tasting. We ended up buying a case of wine to take back home with us, but all because it just opened up a thunderstorm. We had no plans to walk in and do a winery tour and ended up having the, a blast just because of a little misadventure with weather.
0: Wow. Yeah, I, I, I remember as a kid, we were once in Disney, Disney World in Florida where it just poured yeah. the entire time. And it was mm, amazing how much rain there was there. Yeah. All right, so another segment that we do on every Wednesday is we do Hughes Hunt Day, where <laughs> my guests <laughs> will discuss their top five John Hughes movies. So, Alan... What are your top five John Hughes movies?
1: All right. And now you got to remember, I'm going to be coming at these not only from the perspective of somebody that's a Gen Xer, but because I have kids that I tend to watch more of the kids movies with my kids. So number five, John Hughes, 16 Candles. First John Hughes movie I remember ever seeing and loved every bit about, about it. Just I mean that captured high school life and loved it. So 16 Candles. Number four, the movie we are talking about minute by minute, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Number three, and we just watched it again as we got ready for the holidays. It's a movie we watch pretty much every year, Home Alone. The original, the first one, Macaulay Culkin. I still, as an adult, watching the live-action cartoon sequence of the two criminals just getting abused in the house cracks me up. So I like that.
0: Yeah, Home Alone, my my favorite trivia about Home Alone is is that some people say that it's a a movie that fits into the diehard genre.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, Number two, and this is a movie I was so disappointed. My girls, of all the John Hughes films that we gave our teen daughters chances to watch, this was the one they liked the least. But it's my number two, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ooh, I love that movie it's such a fun movie and they just kept saying this is dumb and i guess it's because they live in an age where you can just skip school you don't have to work it wasn't as restrictive as like when i was growing up exactly yeah but the movie all of us doesn't matter what generation i've showed it to my girls love it every bit as much as i do they've got the the iconic t-shirts that they wear of the fist pump to the sky breakfast club there you go nothing (laughs) Number one, John Hughes flick. It's the one – if I had to pick one to always go to, that's the one I know I'm going to enjoy every single second of it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I love uh, Breakfast Club. I would love to actually do a minute-by-minute minute of it, but I think it would be devoid of, of
1: enough to say. But we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. I, I have a few seasons. to worry about it. <laughs> the, the only – you know the way, the way you could do an interesting – but it would be a heck of a commitment – the only way I think it could be really fun is you would have to have a multi-generational team. Yeah. So you have a Gen X or a Gen Y, a Gen Z, a millennial and the or maybe even a boomer. If you had five people all talking about it from different age perspectives, different generations and see how it, one scene or one character or one interaction because one of the things my girls thought they said, "Oh my gosh, this is like a TV movie the way it starts. So like this looks boring. It's slow." There's nothing to it. And by the end they were like, oh my God. We have exactly these same clicks with these exact same problems today. We call them different names, but everything in that movie was relatable, just different names. Yeah. Different, you know, stereotypes.
0: I completely agree with you on that, which is why it would be something it'd be very difficult to do. <laughs> but yeah. who knows, maybe, maybe in a, maybe in a few seasons I'll I'll take up that challenge. <laughs>
1: I think that would be fun. We, we've got a uh, – I forgot the name of the game, but it's a fun, trivial, pursuit-style game. And it's called – oh uh, something about the generations. But basically, it's four quadrants. And as you enter that quadrant, every bit of the trivia questions are going to be catered to that generation. Oh, wow. So you've got the boomer. It's the boomer corner, the Gen X corner, the Gen Y, and then the Gen Z. Or millennial and then Gen Z. And I can answer Boomer and Gen X, no problem. But my girls can answer the the the, the Millennial and Gen Z. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> so it's fun because when you have a game which you want to play, like a family game of different generations, everyone has their moment they shine, and everybody has that category that's like, like, my girls are like, Boomer, that's the hardest category for them. But like, I've never heard of Lawrence Welk. I don't know what you're talking about. he <laughs> and stuff like that. And so um it's it's a fun game. I'll, I'll have to get you the name of it. But it's uh, if you're into multi-generational trivia, that's one of those ones that takes it into account. Ooh, sounds like fun. All right. So you want to come back in tomorrow? Sure. I'd love to. All right. Got to see what the room's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we got to see what, what more than just the room. We have to see what the bathroom's like. Yeah. Things like that.
1: Well, one of us has to shower first.
0: You can go first. That's okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you want to shower with me? <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll consider that.
0: How's that? <laughs> All right. So until tomorrow, you're fine. Fu- you're fine. Fu- <laughs>